Give Us This Day is a devotional reflection upon the New Testament lesson appointed for the morning office from the Book of Common Prayer 1928. These devotionals are written and presented by Father Charles Erlinson, who serves at the Church of the Good Shepherd in Tyler, Texas. Father Charles' devotionals can be found both in print and online. Today is Monday of the 21st Sunday after Trinity. The lesson is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1-14. through 14. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also, wherefore I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Wherefore I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things, Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me, in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. I want to discuss predestination and free will today. There, that ought to wake some of you up. All throughout St. Paul's incredible opening to his second letter to Timothy, he asserts side by side two fundamental truths of life in Christ. First, your salvation, your faith, and your good works are all by the grace of God that comes through Jesus Christ. Second, you are the one who is to actively keep this faith by prayer, teaching, and holiness. It is clear that all is a work of God, and yet for St. Paul this in no way diminishes the commandment to obey, or the idea that there are good things which we are required and able to do. We see this dual focus in St. Timothy's ordination. Though Timothy's office of elder and bishop is a gift of God, verse 6, by the Holy Spirit, it comes through the laying on of human hands. The Spirit did not move apart from the faithfulness of men. Remember how a few days ago we discussed the sacramental worldview or principle. Here is another example. God gives his sovereign grace but he gives it through the hands and instrumentality of men. This gift of God is something that Timothy is commanded by Paul to stir up. Now, if Timothy were just a passive agent, how could he stir up his gift? After the initial gift of the Spirit, Timothy is actually enabled to participate with the grace of God. 
Likewise, Timothy is to keep the pattern of sound words, by which Paul means the apostolic teaching, as he did in 1 Timothy, which was committed to him, and yet he can only keep it by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, verses 13 and 14. But the point in Timothy's life where the grace of God and the faithfulness of man meets that I most want to discuss involves Timothy and his family. The faithfulness that Paul commends in Timothy flows from God's abundant grace, but the question is, how did the grace of God come to Timothy? The answer is, in the faithfulness of those who taught Timothy. We know that Timothy was taught the pure apostolic teaching by St. Paul. We were even privileged to have two of Paul's letters to Timothy. Part of Timothy's life of faith was supported by Paul's nightly and daily prayers for him, verse 3, and I'm sure the prayers of the churches. And of course there is the grace God gave St. Timothy at his ordination. But Timothy's training in the faith began long before St. Paul came into Timothy's life. In fact, God's means of preparing Timothy began in one way even before Timothy was born. Timothy's faith was strong because both his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice had the same genuine faith that Paul found in Timothy. Furthermore, Paul states that Timothy knew the scripture from his childhood, 2 Timothy 3.15. Even Paul, though he acted unfaithfully for years, served God with a pure conscience in large part because his forefathers did. This is the secret to making disciples of Jesus Christ, keeping the faith ourselves, and teaching our children to do the same. This is the covenantal principle that we find everywhere in the Old Testament. Why shouldn't it work in the new only better? When God's people are faithful and faithfully raise their children in the fear of the Lord, then the faith in those who live it are preserved. Sadly, we live in a church culture that is not retaining the faith because we are not passing down the Christian faith to our children. Something like half of those claiming faith in Christ will lose that faith when they go off to college because their faith had not been adequately nourished and is not expected to be fed while they are away and at their most vulnerable to worldliness. Christian parents apparently don't expect their children to be holy any longer, since the statistics show that the music, TV, movies, etc. that Christian children saturate their lives with is virtually identical to that of their non-Christian counterparts. Isn't it time for us to remember how the Church has always made Christians? There is so much we can do, but here are four powerful things we must do. First, make sure you have a time of family worship every day. It can be simple and short, but it ought to be done. This requires giving up leisure time, and perhaps even giving up some of the busyness of life. Soccer and basketball games are good, as are the piano and martial arts lessons. But if we believe it is good to train our children in such endeavors, do we believe it is actually less important that we take time every day in the home to train them in godliness and the Christian faith? Second, make sure your children know the scriptures from their childhood. Children soak up the scriptures in a way they will never be able to when they are older, and their minds are less impressionable, flexible, but more fragmented and busy. As they get older, make sure age-appropriate instruction, i.e. it shouldn't all be viable on a kindergarten level, is taking place. Third, encourage them to surround themselves with Christian friends and mentors. Children are constantly scoping their environment and assembling an identity on what they see and experience. What are our children's lives being surrounded with? All of the factors that have been identified in some studies as important to instilling faith in children have to do with being integrated into a truly Christian community of church, family, mentors, and friends. Fourth, your job as parents, grandparents, and church members is to make disciples of the children among you. We all talk about evangelizing and reaching the lost, and I hope we take the actual words of the Great Commission seriously. 
but the Great Commission doesn't even mention evangelism. Our commission is to make disciples, by having our children baptized, and by teaching them to obey all that Jesus Christ has commanded us. You will never have a better opportunity to make disciples for Jesus Christ than when you train your own children. You will never have several hours a day for 18 years to devote to training anyone else in godliness and faith, and you will never have the ability to influence anyone else as much by your godly example. If you have done this primary job in your life faithfully, then your children will go on to disciple their own children. The fact is that about 12 times as many Christians are born into the faith each year as are converted from other faiths or no faith at all. This is the primary way the kingdom of God grows. What are we doing about it? How blessed it must be to be a Lois, who received the blessing of having her grandson turn out to be St. Timothy. This has been a presentation of Always with Christ Radio, radio in the Anglican way.